You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald. Thank you very much for being with us here again today. Well, today we are talking about something very important for all of our cattle producers, and that is worms and deworming internal parasites and what that can do to the performance of our cattle, to the performance of our calves, and some of those detrimental impacts that it can have, not just on our cattle, but also on our pastures, depending on the way that we handle these internal parasites. And I'm having Gene Claft from Merck come back on today, and he works on their ruminant team in their animal health section and exclusively with cattle. And he's going to be talking with us all about these internal parasites and ways of controlling them. And there's a lot of great information here, especially for our cattle producers. And even if you're not a cattle producer, there's some information of interest in here today, specifically dealing with the dairy industry and and why, or at least one of the factors that goes into why we see dairy cattle on dry lots versus pasture. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but certainly this is part of the discussion. There's some really great info, but for all of you cattle producers, We've got a lot of great information today to help you deal with those internal parasites and get that maximum performance and health out of your cattle. So we'll have that coming up for you here in just a moment. Gene, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for coming back on. Yeah, Matt. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Hey, I, I really appreciate it. You are turning out to be a very, very vital resource for me when it comes to talking about cattle and everything that goes into raising cattle. It can be a complex business, and I really appreciate borrowing your expertise all the time. I'm glad I can help if I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly do. Well, let's do this. I, I know that we've introduced you many times before. If we could, again, just give us a brief introduction of who you are and, and what you do and for who, so people kind of have an idea of where you're coming from. Okay. Yeah. So my name's Gene Claft, and I'm a senior territory manager with Merck Animal Health. I cover southern Idaho. I work with uh, veterinarians and ranchers, stalker operations, feedlots, and a few dairies. And uh, Merck Animal Health is uh, my employer, and uh, we're one of the larger animal health companies uh, in the U.S. Actually, we're worldwide, but Merck Animal Health is in the uh, U.S. and Canada, and then we go by MSD in uh, the rest of the world. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're part of the large pharmaceutical company, Merck, and so we have a, a very research-driven company and a, a lot of research power behind us, and uh, we're always looking for new ways to develop new products to help our customers. Now, do you work exclusively with cattle? Yes. I'm, I'm a on the ruminant team or the cattle team and um, we do uh, beef and dairy and some of us have more beef than dairy which is my situation. Our organization also has uh, equine sales force, we have a retail team, we have a companion animal team that works with uh, veterinarians only mm-hmm. and of course they they work with uh, veterinarians who take care of uh, our small animals. Well you and I had kind of brainstormed the appropriate timing of some episodes a while back and we we put one on the docket for this spring to talk about deworming cattle so let's talk about that for a second you know why did you want to do it this time of year why is it so important right now well as we're coming into spring people are are starting to think about uh turning cattle out for the summer people are branding their calves 
and so they've got animal health on their mind and and uh, one of the things we want to make sure they think about is parasite control and deworming and when we say deworming are we talking about exclusively internal parasites yeah when we talk about worms we're talking about the roundworms that live in the stomach and intestines of the cattle and then also tapeworms which are flatworms sometimes people are concerned about liver flukes uh, those are a more of a flatworm and they inhabit the liver and uh, cause problems that way but yeah generally we're talking about worms we're talking about internal stomach and intestinal worms and then in terms of people working their cattle right now and and the timing of all of this the fact that cattle either are already back out on range back out on pasture or getting ready to go back out does that impact the timing of when we should be worming as well yeah the best time in the spring if we're going to do a spring deworming, and we, we all really should, but the best time is before we turn the cattle out when we handle them, if we give them any vaccinations, uh, put fly tags in them. It's a little early for that, but um, some guys will do it because they won't, they won't have them back in the chute. So if we're going to do a, a chute side deworming when we have them in the chute, that's the time to do it. Mm-hmm. There's, of course, other ways to do it. Um, we can do it in the pasture later, too. But really, the best thing we can do is to start these cattle out clean when we're, we're getting ready to go out either on pasture or out on range. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we're talking about worms and, and deworming, obviously for, for people who are raising cattle, we're talking about not necessarily more time with hands-on and the cattle if they're already going to be working them, but certainly more expense and more to do on that day where we're working cattle. So if you can, help us understand how the presence of these worms in cattle, how they're impacting their performance, and what risk they pose to the actual life of the animal. So the internal parasites that we're talking about, two of the main things they do, they do suppress the animal's appetite so they consume less feed. They're just not as hungry. And then the feed that they do consume is not as fully utilized because the parasites disrupt what's going on in the the digestive tract of the animal. Other things that parasites do, they do directly interact with the immune system and they interact negatively. So what they do is they suppress the immune system. So if we got cattle that are carrying decent parasite loads, they're fairly wormy and we're trying to get them vaccinated and immunized, we can't really do the best job we can because the animal's immune system can't respond as well to the vaccines because they're tied up trying to deal with these parasites. Very interesting. So those are three of the big things that that we worry about, and they're probably the most common. Really interesting. Now, if the parasite load is bad enough, can there actually be death in a large livestock like a cow or a bull or a steer? Yeah, that's pretty extreme, but it's not out of the question. that There's been cases, uh, lots of cases, where, you know, a veterinarian has diagnosed a dead animal as having, you know, just died from a excessive load of parasite. Mm Mm-hmm. Most of our producers these days do some sort of parasite control so they don't get to that point, but that's the extreme death. Now, they can indirectly cause death by, like I said, they interfere with the immune system, so they they cause all kinds of problems there. The cattle can't respond to vaccines or Mm -hmm. if cattle are exposed to bacterial or viral infections and they have a heavy parasite load, their immune system can't protect them because it's it's got too much going on dealing with these parasites. So... Mm -hmm. You can lose cattle to pneumonias that the parasites were certainly a contributing factor 
in that situation. So uh, the takeaway from this first segment, of course, is that you need to pay attention to this because uh, one way or another, it's going to have a significant impact on you if it's not taken care of. Yeah, it's an important part of our total animal health program. Well, let's take our first break, Gene, and then when we come back, let's talk about types of worms and, and everything that goes with that. Okay. Spring is already in the air at D&B Supply because we've got DeWalt blowers and trimmers on hand to get you ready for the road or yard ahead. Power through your outdoor spring cleaning with DeWalt's FlexBolt 60-volt max handheld blower or string trimmer. With a super-powered lightweight lithium-ion battery, they're designed to take charge of tough overgrowth and heavy-duty chores. It's ready, set, blow when you spring into action with your DeWalt blower or trimmer at D&B Now. Tired of choosing between feeding your lawn for a thick green turf and fighting annoying weeds? D&B Supply is here to help you do both with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed. Sometimes feeding your lawn also means feeding unwanted weeds that have taken root. That's why Scott's developed Turf Builder Weed and Feed, which uses a weed killer while also feeding your lawn to crowd out the weeds. So get to the root of your lawn issues with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Gene, one of the things you mentioned before the break was that that the presence of the the internal parasites and the worms, they can actually suppress the appetite of the animal. Now, I've been thinking about this all wrong for some time. I thought that the the animal's appetite would actually increase because the parasite was taking so much of the nutrients from them. So how do, how do they actually end up suppressing the appetite? Well, they change the pH and, and the chemical makeup of the gut, and so the animal's just are not as hungry mm-hmm. and they just don't consume as much feed. If I could show you a picture, I can't cause we're, we're de- we're doing a podcast. <laughs> right. but, um, one of the parasitologists that we work has an aerial photo where they divided a pasture into four sections. And in the first section, they put dewormed cattle in the second section, they put non dewormed cattle. The third section had dewormed cattle and the fourth section had non-dewormed cattle. In the aerial photo, you can just tell the pastures that contain the dewormed cattle, the grass is almost gone. Mm-hmm. And the other pastures that had the parasite-infected cattle, the pastures almost looked untouched. And so it's just a, it was a really, it's a really a good illustration that you can show producers, if you have them in a room and can show them that picture, that that's what, the decrease of appetite looks like you got grass that hasn't been touched because these cattle just aren't hungry so it's just it's a matter of changing the ph in the rumen and they just don't feel like they have that appetite yeah it's more than ph it's it's they change a lot in the rumen it gets kind of involved but the main result is is the cattle just don't have an appetite Mm -hmm. that they would if they were if they had good gut health okay and so what you mentioned, you know, you think the cattle would be hungrier and eating more and right. doing poorly. They do do poorly with what they consume. They're just not as hungry. So it's a kind of a double effect because they're not consuming as much nutrients. And then what they do consume isn't utilized like it's supposed to be. Okay. Now I have the same question, but about the immune system. So how are these parasites actually diminishing the ability of the cow's immune system to fight off disease? Well, it gets kind of involved, but simply put, there are receptors in the immune system that the parasites, they do respond to the parasites. So there are Th1 and Th2 receptors that are part of the immune system. They get 
tied up dealing with the parasite. The immune system is trying to deal with these parasites. It's, it's not able to, but it's still trying. And so we, we end up with the immune system is focused not where it's supposed to be. Parasites like coccidia, I'm sure you've heard of coccidiosis. Mm-hmm. And coccidia are protozoa. They're not, they're not the same as worms. They also are affected by the immune system, and, and an animal's immune system is able to uh, deal with the coccidia because it's more of an immune-type disease. And they, the immune system can, if the immune system is healthy, it can actually suppress the numbers of coccidia that survive. And the animal, it's almost like vaccinating the animal. They can deal with coccidia if they're not wormy. But a lot of times we'll see cattle that have coccidiosis, and if we take fecal samples from those cattle and send them to the lab, they come back and they're full of stomach and intestinal worms. And we go ahead and deworm those cattle and do a good job of killing all the worms, and we send samples in after we treat them, and the worms are gone. And and what we're looking for when we do these fecal samples is worm eggs. Mm -hmm. The eggs are gone, and we see that the coccidia numbers are down. Well, the dewormer didn't did not um, do anything directly to the coccidia, but the animal's immune system was freed up from dealing with the worms and it was able to deal with the coccidia and get those numbers down. And cattle can actually live with coccidia in low numbers. It's almost okay for them to have a few because it keeps their immune system kind of vaccinated to these uh, protozoa. And if the cattle never had coccidia or didn't have low numbers to deal with and then they got a bad infection, then we see a lot of a lot of losses because their immune system is it's not familiar with these these protozoa and then we end up with big problems so just them having a few is is not a bad thing now when well, it, i hope i didn't get too far off no 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 topic, I, but when we start talking about the immune system there's a lot involved no there certainly is and i think it's that was a really good way to explain it because especially with the with the before and after results where you do get those worms taken care of and all of a sudden uh, you can see the the immune response to things like coccidiosis. Yeah, and that's a good indicator of how parasites do drag down the immune system. Um, we have we have the coccidia there; it can be directly controlled by the immune system, and the parasites in the way. We remove the parasites, and we see the immune system does its job with the coccidia. So, mm-hmm. a good illustration to show someone um, when we do those before and after tests. Let's take another break. I didn't even get to asking you in that segment about the types of worms we see out here in southwestern Idaho and eastern Oregon. But when we come back, let's talk about that. Okay. Get charged up for your garden work this spring with the all-new HSA 25 battery-powered garden shears from Steel. Available at your favorite DMB supply for just $119.95, these shears are perfect for detail-oriented trimming, making it easier than ever to make quick work of all your garden projects. And with a name like Steel, you can trust they'll last season after season. So head to DMB and trim down your spring to-do list with the first-ever battery-powered garden shears from Steel. During calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment. Available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years.
years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress. To bring your calves into the world, then bring them upright. Stop on by select D&B supply stores for Powder River livestock handling equipment. Okay, Gene, well, let's talk about the types of worms that we need to be treating and that we're going to see in our region, southwest Idaho, eastern Oregon. Yeah, really, Matt, we need to be concerned with uh, just about all the the stomach and intestinal parasites. We do a lot of fecal tests for producers and their veterinarians, and we do see a broad range of different parasites. Some of them are a little more damaging to to cattle, especially younger cattle. There's uh, two of them that one is, uh, the name is nematodirus, and the other one is cuperia. And we do see a lot of those parasites, especially in young cattle. And those worms in those calves are pretty harsh on them. And um, whenever we see them, we, we certainly recommend that they treat for those parasites and get those calves dewormed because they can be pretty costly. But as a rule, we see a pretty broad range of the different types of parasites mm-hmm. when we do those, uh, we do those samples around, around this region. Now, you mentioned at the outset of all the different types of cattle operations that you work with, um, you know, cow-calf, stalkers, uh, even dairy and, and things like that. How does the type of operation that a person has, how does that impact uh, their need to deal with uh, internal parasites or maybe the timing or how they deal with them? Okay, well, the easiest one to, to talk about would be a feedlot. Feedlot operators know that parasite control is huge and pretty vital to their uh, their bottom line. So a lot of the feed yards here in Idaho that I work with, when they process cattle, they're pretty focused on parasite control because if they do a good job when they're receiving those cattle and processing them, they know that they're not going to get reinfected because they're in a dry lot situation and they're, they're not grazing anymore. So those cattle are not going to pick up any new worms. So they are really focused on that because they know it's going to make them money if they can if they can do a good job for parasite control. You get into uh, yearling operations, those guys should deworm prior to turnout, and some of them should look at deworming probably during the season, and there's ways that they can do that without gathering the cattle. The same with a cow-calf operation. A lot of our cow-calf operators will you know, winter on the desert and then go to either uh, mountain pastures or range in the summer. So when they leave to go to those places, they they really need to do a good job of deworming those animals before they get them turned out. Dairies, most dairies are dry lot and they don't really need to deworm because most of those dairy cows don't graze. Um, a few guys will have heifers turned out on grass and they'll deworm them when they bring them in mm-hmm. and bring them into the dairy and, and onto the dry lot. Organic dairies do graze their cows in most situations, so they are interested in parasite control. The problem that they have is there is hardly any products. I mean, there are products, but there aren't very, they don't have as, as many choices because there's not a lot of approved dewormers um, for organic programs. Okay. So, there, yeah, there's a lot of variation in the operations and how they how they approach parasite control and how they think about it. 
So this all kind of goes to, I, I guess we could call it the parasite cycle or the worm cycle, but you're talking about dry lot versus grazing. So why, why in a grazing situation are cattle more prone to, to internal parasites than on a dry lot? The parasites utilize the blades of grass to make themselves available to cattle. So, you know, briefly, the life cycle is you have eggs in the cattle manure. When the temperatures get warmer, those eggs start hatching. This time of year, today is a good day. There's probably a lot of eggs hatching today. Mm-hmm. Those eggs start hatching, and the, when they hatch, uh, we have larvae, and the larvae move out onto the grass and Generally, what they do is in the morning, we have some dew on the grass. They utilize that water because they're microscopic, so Mm -hmm. they're very tiny. They utilize that water to move up the blades of grass, and then that's how the cattle pick them up. Once they're inside the animal, they go through, depending on the species of parasite, they go through a a couple of stages of maturation, um, different larval stages before they become adults. So without grass... In dry lot situation, like in a feed yard or a dairy, mm-hmm. we don't have the opportunity for these parasites to have a life cycle. Makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I, I know people listening to this who maybe aren't in the cattle business, but they have questions. They look around and they wonder why they see dairy cattle on dry lots. That's part of the management decision right there, I would bet. Yes. Well, and... And if you have a cow, a dairy that has 10,000 cows and, and they wanted to run them on grass, that takes a lot of ground. <laughs> and most of, most of dairies don't have that kind of land. Right. If they do, they're farming it. It's more efficient for them to farm that ground and, and grow the feed for the cows and just feed them in the dry lot. That's right. All right. Well, let's take our third break. And then when we come back, uh, I want to ask about you know hibernation with these and, and how it all works with the life cycle over the winter. Wrangler is made for those who roll with the times. Stop by D&B Supply for spring looks that fit in anywhere life takes you. With a modern take on iconic Western style, Wrangler has new styles and great fits in jeans, jackets, shirts, dresses, and more. For everyday life and epic moments, Wrangler is always ready to roll. Some things never go out of style. For classic wardrobe staples that stand the test of time, get your Wrangler wear at D&B Supply. You already know Honda makes some of the most reliable, fuel-efficient cars on the planet. And that's just as true for Honda lawnmowers. The best thing about a Honda mower is it's a Honda, which means exclusive features like a 4-in-1 twin-blade cutting system that results in finer clippings for either bagging or when mulching, actually feeding your lawn for important nutrients. And it also means a highly fuel-efficient engine that's easier on the environment while you're sprucing up your environment. Plus, depending on the model, Honda residential mowers come with either a three- or five-year limited warranty. Shop Honda at select DMB supply stores in eastern Oregon and southern Idaho. All right, Gene. Well, as I was saying, as we went out to the break, I wanted to ask you about the winter and hibernation. You know, we're talking about these parasites utilizing the grass uh, so they can be uptake into the into the digestive system of the cattle. So if they're out there on blades of grass and then we get freezing temperatures, what happens with these parasites? So if we get a frost in the morning and there's larvae on the grass, they're, of course, going to be, they'll be dead. The frost will kill them. But the eggs that are in the ground will not hatch. Mm-hmm. So those eggs can overwinter. The other thing that happens is 
parasites, you know, they've survived for millions and millions of years, so they've got things kind of figured out. But the parasites that are in inside the animals know when the temperature changes outside and when conditions are not ideal for their species to to flourish. So when the winter winter comes on and the weather gets bad and cold, the parasites in the animal they just won't lay as many eggs because they know it's not it's not very productive to do that. And and I think it has to do like in our cows, their pH changes as we get into winter. The feed, of course, the grass will change once it gets frosted, and then they if we start feeding cows, you know, their pH will change, and I think the parasites can adjust their egg production, and they just don't lay as many eggs in the winter. So it's just uh, survival, mm-hmm. and it's what they've done evolving over uh, millions of years. So what happens to the eggs that are on the ground, um, they'll just kind of overwinter. Some of them won't survive, but most of them will. And then when we get into spring and have days like today, they'll start hatching like like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned the nematodirus a few minutes ago. There is a strain of nematodirus they're finding in the Midwest where cattle are actually picking up larvae in the winter through the snow that, you know, cattle kind of paw the ground and find some grass underneath the snow. And uh-huh. there's actually one of these strains of nematodirus that's figured out that, you know, they can, uh, they can make it at least for part of the winter. And so we are finding live larvae that time of year. So it's not cut and dried that after the first frost, we're done with worms. But, uh, and I don't know that, that we found that here in the Northwest or in the mountain States, where I've heard of that is in, in the uh, Midwest, like the Dakotas, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's, as cattle move, it's possible that those, you know, different types of species can, can come with them. So, you know, we may or may not see that phenomenon here. Now, I want to ask you about stocking rates and also about different styles of grazing when it comes to internal parasites and I want to I want to frame this question around the presence of piles of of feces from the cattle. So as they're going along and they're, you know, uh, they're defecating out on the pasture, out on the range, whatever that may be. If you're if you were to be a you know up above in the air and you're looking straight down at some droppings from a, from a cow, are you looking at as you go out, say in a radius from that area where they've defecated? Are you looking at a diminishing density of internal parasites the further you get away? Yeah, the parasites don't have to travel far from the manure to get harvested. They just need to get up on some grass, so they're not going to travel a long ways. Like I said, they're microscopic, so they can't cover a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. One of the things, um, when you mentioned the manure piles, we have to be aware of is in most areas of the country, we have dung beetles, and dung beetles live in the ground, and they will actually break down the manure patties. They break them down and they actually carry the manure underground into their tunnels, Mm -hmm. which is really beneficial to the soil because we get those nutrients into the soil. But the other benefit is, is they're taking parasites deep into the soil with them that will never be able to infect cattle. So the dung beetle is kind of our friend when, when we're talking about parasite control, it cleans up those manure piles. So we don't have, uh, manure piles that'll sit out there for a few years mm-hmm. and it also you know and then fertilizing the soil and also kind of reducing the amount of eggs that that are going to become um, hatched and available larvae for the cattle to uh, harvest so 
as far as your your pasture health and soil health, the dung beetle is very important and is is starting to become a a more recognized subject. Um, when I talk to producers and veterinarians, they're more aware of the dung beetles. And if you, if you go out on a pasture where the rancher has used nothing but ivermectin products for the last several years, you'll see that he's got a lot of manure piles, new and old, just sitting out there that haven't been broken down because the ivermectin products kill the dung beetles. So he wipes out his dung beetle population and he's got a problem because he's not getting all those benefits from the dung beetles. I see. So when you're talking about manure piles, that's, that's something to think about is, is try to have a, you know, learn about the dung beetle and try to have a healthy population. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a, you know, place where there's been cattle graze and you, you take that aerial view you were talking about and mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of manure piles or you see piles that are, that are being broken down and kind of disappearing, then you know we have a good, healthy dung beetle population. Got it. I know that was a little more than you asked, but I think it's really important that we're aware of the dung beetles and we try to help them do their job because they help us. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it actually, it brings up another question for me is you look at these different patterns or these different styles of grazing, these different management practices, and one of them is multi-species grazing. Now, is it true that, uh, let's say you're multi-species grazing, maybe you're following cattle with sheep or maybe you're following cattle with goats or something like that. Is it true that that can be also a a way to help control those parasites because uh, while, uh, say, a goat or a, a lamb is eating that same blade of grass that's containing those larvae, but they're not going to survive in the digestive system of that other ruminant. Is that is that something that can impact this as well? Yeah, to a certain point, some of the parasites will cross-infect the species, but it isn't all of them. So, yeah, to a certain degree, that can help rotating species if you're able to do that because they don't all infect all the species. Mm-hmm. Some of the, the species of parasites are specific to the the uh, small ruminants versus cattle, but there there can be some cross-infection. Let's take our final break. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about different control methods and, and how to mix these things up so we don't get uh, the situation you're describing where we don't have dung beetles and things like that, okay? Okay. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Balin Country Gates and Panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Balin Country at D&B. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Balin Country Gates and Panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Balin Country at D&B Supply. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DMB. Well, Gene, before we went out to break, I was kind of getting to this, but I didn't quite get there. And I wanted to ask you about different patterns of grazing. You know, people do nowadays, uh, we'll see mob grazing, we'll say intensive rotational grazing, we'll see what they just call regular rotational grazing, or maybe we'll just see just plain grazing just on one big area of land. 
I was asking you about that, about the piles of manure, because I wondered if we are going with a high stocking capacity, like we might do in a mob grazing or an intensive rotational grazing type situation, does that force the cattle to eat more forage that's closer to those piles of manure, thus maybe increasing that risk of of parasite uh, ingestion? Yeah, I think so, Matt. I think common sense tells us that if we have, you know, a lot of cattle on on a limited piece of ground, you know, they're just going to eat everything they can. They'll eat what's there, and the chances of them getting uh, higher parasite infections from, from being concentrated. The worst situation is having, you know, highly concentrated numbers of cattle on irrigated pasture because you've got all the conditions perfect for mm-hmm. just the proliferation of these parasites that makes a lot of sense because uh, you've got the moisture you've got the growth of the the forage and then that high density of the cattle right well let's talk about control for a second i i want to know uh, i want to know what merck offers in terms of control for internal parasites and i also want to talk about resistance and if we're seeing any drug resistance to parasites especially in our region okay so the product that we have for parasite control is safeguard the drug active ingredient in uh, Safeguard is fenbendazole. It's been around for 35 plus years, but it still has really great efficacy on the internal parasites. And the cool thing about fenbendazole is you can give it in a drenched form to cattle in the chute, or it's available in a wide variety of feed-through products. So we can feed the, the animals supplements on the pasture that have the dewormer in it and we can get them dewormed without actually bringing them back in. Um, There's quite a few producers here in Idaho that will turn cattle out in the spring. They'll deworm them in the chute. Most of them will use a combination of two products. They'll use the safeguard orally and then uh, they'll either inject or pour like a generic ivermectin product on the animals Mm -hmm. and get them cleaned up before they head out to grazing. And then they can... um, and intermittently uh, deworm these cattle on the pastures, let the cattle harvest some parasites, and then we want to time our treatments to kill those parasites before they can lay any new eggs. So we clean those cattle out several times during the summer with not quite adult parasites, get them all killed and avoid you know, further contaminating our pastures. So that's one of the, or several of the, the ways that our product is used and it's very effective people are pretty happy with it. The producers that I work that are that are using one of those programs are really happy with the results. Your question about resistance, about the last 15 years we've seen resistance, parasite resistance to uh, a couple of drugs. The class of drugs known as the ivermectins, which is our injectables and, and poron products. Mm-hmm. Um, there's several different products in that class. So we have to be aware of which products are in that class because we can't just use one today and then the next time switch to another one. If it's in the same class, we haven't done ourselves any favors. What the parasitologists recommend to avoid this resistance and, and kind of battle it is to use two products at the same time. And, and we want to use two products from two different classes. So we can use product like Safeguard Fembendazole, which goes into the gut and is a contact product. It works by interrupting the parasite's metabolism and they just starve to death. Mm -hmm. Um, We can also, at the same time, use an injectable or pour on uh, ivermectin-type product that 
works from a, it, another mode of action. It comes in through the blood and it's stored in the fat. So it attacks the worms from a different angle and we get kind of a two-pronged program. And we generally, if we can do those samples, uh, fecal samples before and after, we almost always see 100% cleanup when we use a combination of two products. So uh, using the combination of those two to help battle that resistance. Right. The resistance came about those products, when they first came out, it was thought that, oh, wow, these stay in the, they'll stay in the animal system longer. Some of them are up, you know, almost over 40 days. And um, we thought, oh, that's great because we could have these cattle out and they still have dewormer on board. The problem is, is as they leave the animal's system, they get below a killing level in the body and you have parasites that are coming into the animal off the grass that are exposed to that drug at a less than lethal level, mm-hmm. and they're exposed but not killed, and it's almost like vaccinating these worms, and then their, their offspring are resistant to that drug. So if we keep using them, we just keep, it's a snowball effect with resistance, and pretty soon it's not, the product isn't even gonna work. Okay. So rotation is not the answer. When we're talking about deworming cattle, the combination of using two different products from different classes is the way to go. Gene, this has been a super interesting conversation. I know we can keep going on and on and on. I just don't have time to get to all the rest of it. Is there anything else that you would want to make sure everybody knows before we close it out today? Yeah, I just would like to reiterate that parasites are, you know, they're kind of a broad spectrum problem. They affect the appetite, performance and overall health of the animal. And we have good ways to control them. And we need to look at always making sure we have a good parasite control program in our overall animal health protocols in our herds. Well, Gene, thank you so much for coming on today and and helping to educate us all again. I know for everybody out there who's raising cattle, large or small, we're always listening and trying to get better at what we do. I really appreciate you helping us with that. My pleasure. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>